Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. My name is Dr. Daherty, and in this podcast series, I will be discussing how to set up, scale, and operate a world-class recruitment company. I hope you're all having a great start to the new year. I'm kind of getting into it and catching up with everything and trying to produce a ton of content, which has been great fun. Um, I'm experimenting with a couple of different things. I'm going to be shortening some episodes of the podcast. So I'm bringing on some people that I've had on before, but we're just going to cover a specific topic. And today I have Alex Moyle, who is the recruitment trainer extraordinaire based here in the UK. And I've pitched him a couple of questions to get through. And we had a quick 20-minute chat about how to set up a desk from scratch. Um, And if you're a manager and you're bringing in a rookie, how do you go about that? And it was really great. Very much a traditional recruitment training session, not like a lot of the marketing ones that I've been doing. So that's why I wanted to really balance it out. Alex knows the marketing stuff as well, but he has spent a career training thousands of recruiters in the UK and comes from that real Robert Half, old school, amazing training background. So hope you all enjoy it and let me know what you think. And if you're enjoying the new format as well, we will continue to do the long, the longer podcasts as well. Um, but just thought we could grab a wee bit of wee bit more value for you for you all, especially you know those people who are looking to set up this year by themselves. All right, take care and let me know what you think. Alex Boyle, how are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Very good. Yourself? Yeah, very good. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you too. It's uh it's been I'm I'm pleased to be back, but I'm sure there's uh there's plenty of other people that are that are probably not as excited. So I'm delighted to be back. Childcare was uh, sporadic and uh next week nursery begins and yeah. Remember yeah. Got, I'm not sure you can call it childcare when it's your own kids. I think that's just called parenting. <laughs> uh like I used to say to my wife, I used to go, Hey, uh, I'm babysitting tonight and she goes, No, you're just doing your job. Yeah, you're parenting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, So any big goals for the new year? Well, I'm uh I'm launching a new uh new sort of venture in the next few weeks, which is uh an online community for recruitment leaders called the Recruiting Gym. And that's uh, a place where sort of I I get asked a lot of questions day to day on like, how do you do this? How do you do that? So I'm sort of creating a space where people that don't want a a trainer to come in, but want someone to ask a question uh, can do that. And obviously it's a community site so people can ask and and benefit from the wisdom of the crowd as well. Big market for that. Well done. Yeah. So we'll see how how it goes. But we're uh, we're kicking off with the A to Z of recruiting success. So it should be uh, should be good fun. So. Just got to pay, pay the bills, keep the mortgage and keep the wife happy. So only small goals other than that. Absolutely. Well, I suppose this is just another one of those questions that I'm going to ask. So we're, I'm, I'm experimenting with a little bit of a new format and I'm still doing the long form podcast because you know we enjoy them. But I'm also trying to get some people on. Maybe they've been on before, maybe they haven't. And just to grab that one bit of information that people are always asking me for. And, and the bit I want to ask you is a two-part question. So the first is, I want to put you in a scenario. 
So you've just joined a medium-sized agency and your manager's just left and you're not having a lot of guidance and you're on a desk that you're not sure what a warm desk or a cold desk even means. What do you do to get that up and running? What would your advice be to that person? To the individuals, the, the recruiter or the manager? To, to the recruiter. The second part of the question will jump into the manager. So first, the first thing would be is to just focus your time on speaking to the candidates that you've got in your uh, candidates in the mark in, in, in your database. So within that organization, they'll probably have three or four skill sets they recruit for all the time. And I would just get on the phone and just spend as much time as possible speaking to those candidates, learning about the jobs that they do, the career paths that they've had, uh, the career progression that they want. Uh, because if you're working in any niche, understanding where people have been and where people want to go is absolutely key, not only for building relationships with candidates, but understanding what clients will be looking for and, and the skill sets that they'll want for people to have and also what they might want them to uh, to get to develop in the future as well. So that would be my first tip, just spend as much time as possible speaking to candidates. In my first uh, probably six weeks in recruitment, I was just give every day I was given the list of a new skill set and I'd be given like 50 credit controllers, 50 management accountants. And my goal at the end of the day was to learn to know everything about that skill set and to be able to be tested on it by my manager. And, uh, and, and really quickly, I became really skilled in the, in the discipline that I recruited for. Yeah, I had something similar. And I, I was lucky that I was bred into a big agency in Robert Walters where they had all the formalized training in place. But I come across many, many businesses that just don't have that. They're just taking a punt at it in this hot marketplace. What would you do next? So this, this, so the second thing is once you've, once you've got those candidates, you then want to map where they work and where they have worked. And, and this is where, to an extent, for all my ability as a consultant, uh, you've really got to be helped by the agency that you work with, is that ideally they've got a, a specialism uh, or a niche, and you've got to find two or three skill sets that you want to develop within that niche. Uh, because How you do can't... You well, I, you know what I'd probably do? I'd probably just do a quick search on the system and I'd look at all the jobs that they've had in the last year yeah. and I'd look at the ones that they've had most of and that would give you a pretty good indicator of the types of jobs that come into that organization. Yeah. And you, from that analysis, you get two, two types of, uh, of, of skill set that you want to be recruiting for. The first one is the type of jobs that they get lots of, that they fill lots of. And that tells me that we get jobs and we can find candidates easily. And that's always the sign of a market where you can make money quickly. Uh, the second one is find the skill sets where they have had lots of jobs, but they haven't filled many. And that tells you that that's probably a candidate short market. And so what you do is you split your sourcing time into two areas. One is finding candidates where you know you're going to have jobs. And the second one is... Uh, just put a little bit of time every day to try and hunt down, find out where some of those niche candidates live, because you know that when you get those candidates, you know there's going to be jobs that come in that no one else is going to have, and that's going to give you the opportunity to either go and find opportunities for them or make money with your colleagues. If it's a newer agency and they don't have a massive track record, 
is it a similar process? You don't have a database to work off? Or are you working off, I don't know, the internet or LinkedIn or? or... Yeah. I mean, I would, I would probably, I mean, most agencies have signed up to a big database. So within, uh, if you signed up to a job board, a job board in itself can tell you the, the types of skill sets that are in a market. Uh, at the heart of this comes down to having some focus, you know, and that's either a geographical focus or a skill set focus or in some markets, both. And, and try not to look for jobs, but find candidates that are in demand. What you can also do is go to job boards and, and, and pick a geographical area and, and see what jobs are out there in the market, you know, see what people rec- are recruiting for. And you can filter those by direct adverts, so companies that are recruiting. Uh, but you can also filter by the skill sets that agencies are recruiting for. And again, you can see where there's lots of demand. Uh, what you can't see as well is sort of which jobs are being filled or not filled, uh, just because you don't get access to how many jobs are reposted and and that sort of stuff. But you should get a gauge of what, what skills are in demand in the market. So step one is speak to lots of people. Step two is, is refine who you should be speaking to. Are we at a point now where we're ready to just try and pick up a job? Yeah, I mean, uh, th- it shouldn't be too too, too much. So, uh, th- how you do this depends on on where you wh- what you do. So, if you uh, if you if you're doing working a contract desk, I'd probably focus on taking some references of candidates that I'm intending to work with and represent. So, if you screened a candidate and and registered them, and and what I mean by that is you've had a 15 or 20 minute conversation about what they're looking for from their next role. Uh, you're in a position to maybe take some references or testimonials on those individuals. And that will then get you speaking to managers that have hired the types of people that you're meeting. Uh, the second, the second way I'd do that if I was working a perm desk as references are harder to take mm. is as I'm speaking to candidates, I'd be writing down the names of companies where those candidates have worked and maybe where they're working today. And so if I've spoken to 50 candidates, I've probably got a list of 70, 80 companies in my local area that recruit the skill sets of the candidates that I recruit for. And at that point, what I'm going to do is be thinking about how can I use candidates to showcase my, my, my capability? I hesitate when it says, are we trying to pick up a job? Because I think that's where a lot of recruiters and new recruiters fall down is they pick up the phone wanting a job. And I always liken that the same into going to a nightclub and just approaching a woman and going, would you like to have sex tonight? Does that not work? Uh, no, I, 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 I've no people that have tried it, but, but, but last time I checked, I needed to, well, I needed to speak to people quite a lot before they even liked me, let alone thought about going on a date with me. So, yeah. so you've got to think about young people. Don't up- be, young people don't even do it in a nightclub anymore. They, uh, they're just on the. They're just on the app, yeah. aren't they? Well, exactly. I mean, exactly. I mean, in, in theory, you think about it. The, that's a, the whole that's a, that's a quote I missed, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but that sort of the, uh, but that sort of swipe left, swipe right. Like you're just you're just saying, do you want to go on a date? Do you want to go on a date? That doesn't really work. That's not how relationships work in real life. Uh, and if we were, and that, but if we were digital recruitment, and there's no humans in it, and there is agencies out there now that really just allow clients to swipe left and swipe right on candidates, that's fine. But but we we are a human centric business, and so it's as much as not about picking up jobs. It's about finding people that c- can use you and will use you or have the ability to use you that you want to invest time in nurturing those relationships on. Yeah, I, I always find that when you're doing those type of calls. 
although it's not important not to be salesy, it's very important to ask the direct question at the end. Will like if I if I do find somebody like this, is it worth sending to you? Would would you be interested in seeing that? And just holding the silence. Is that do you think that works? Yeah, I mean I think it's yeah, I mean I think it does it does it does definitely definitely work. And I think it's trying to give the client context of why you're doing that. And it's I don't want to do that to pick up a job. What I want to do is know I can call you with that to demonstrate that I've listened and I'm credible and I'm committed to building a long term relationship. And that's that's sort of the intent behind it, because clients are so skeptical of recruiter calls now because it's like all they're trying to do is bash on the window and steal the food. Mm. Where actually what what we're trying to do is just sort of say, look, I'm good at what I do. It's more of a marketing centric approach, which is about gaining knowledge and establishing credibility than a sales approach, which is getting commitment today. Uh, and there, there's, 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 there's shades of gray in this. So it may be you're more direct than, than I am. And a lot of that depends upon your awareness or understanding of how urgent or likely they are to have a need. So for instance, if I know they're, they're growing heavily and I know that they've got, they've already got active vacancies on it and they're struggling to recruit. I might be more direct, which is if I find someone, shall I call you because maybe, you're recruiting? And, and maybe you might've done a bit of research to identify that before the call. Yeah, exactly. But if it's an, an initial call and I know nothing about them and I don't know whether they're going through change, just sort of, you, you want to take it a little bit slower, you know, because, because they haven't given you any indication that they're looking to recruit today. And it's just trying to be respectful of where, the client is in the buying cycle and so rather than assuming everyone's wanting to buy now uh what's the next piece once we've once we've kind of we're warming some clients are 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 we specking out clients are we are we specking out candidates or yeah i mean i'm I'm a believer in in specking out candidates but again it's about the intent for me it's about showcasing the candidates that I've got and demonstrating I'm using the knowledge that I've got about that client to show I'm credible and professional. Uh, if it's, I've got a candidate, have you got any jobs? I've got a candidate, have you got any jobs? That, <laughs> that's, that's pretty pointless and you're just no better than a cold call. You might as well go do phone sales going, hi, is your mobile phone contract up for renewal? You know, sort of one in eight times you're going to get through to someone because every one in eight people within three months of their mobile phone contract being renewed, assuming a 24 month contract length. But but you're so what we're trying to what we're trying to do is it's how you use that. And so it's not just about specking candidates in. It's about sharing market intelligence, sharing insights that they've seen in the market. And it's sort of trying to box a bit clever around how do you stay front of mind with someone without being pushy? The, the, the analogy I often use uh, is where it's a bit like you've been on a first date. Um, how do you keep in touch after the second date? You can't text them going, thinking of you, because uh, that would be scary. What you do is you think, oh, yeah, we spoke about that song and I've just heard that song on the radio or we spoke about this football team and this is the football team or we spoke. Look, you think of things that are relevant to the conversations you've had and try and initiate uh, contact by leveraging that information. Uh, and it's no different than we are in, with our friends. When we're picking up the phone to our friends, if we know they've had a hard week at work or we know they're not enjoying their job, you go, how's work, mate? If you know they support a football team, you talk about the football result. It's no different about that bit. It's about contacting someone with a purpose that demonstrates you've got knowledge and you're using that knowledge to, to develop the relationship. The last time you were on, we discussed uh, whether a meeting was important or not. We went through some of that. 
do and you mentioned it, it it really depends if you're running a nationwide business or if you're running a relationship driven local business do, do you feel that the meeting comes before you're showing the product or after well it's it's part of the same process so often what you would do is you'll showcase product to demonstrate your credibility and you seek a meeting to then develop that credibility further uh and develop that relationship further so it's they're both tools the phone email they're all tools with which to sort of build trust and and influence with that particular with that particular line manager and so uh i'm a big believer in face-to-face I, I, especially if you're looking for any sort of form of exclusivity or you're looking to sell a retainer, uh, most people are going to be more likely to give that sort of commitment when they've met someone face to face. And I, I think also in today's world, face to face is a key part of differentiating yourself from agencies that are just wanting to be CV machines. Mm-hmm. And because I think if you're a CV machine, that can be outsourced to any part of the world. You know, anyone in the world can get a CV, but sure. but it, it's that consultative, higher value, partner oriented relationship is is where you want to go if you want to not only do well, but I think feel like your job's a little more meaningful than just sending six hundred and fifty four kilobytes of data across five times a day. Sure. So uh, I'm I'm the client here, and uh, I really like Alex Moyle. He's a nice fella, and he came and he got to know me and. God, he, he, he knew his stuff. He was a bit green, but yeah, I think I'll give him a whirl. Um, so I've given I've given you a job. How can you make that job into other jobs? Well, I think just delivering a good service. And what I mean by that is firstly, uh, setting a realistic expectation of how likely you are to find someone. Uh, there's a great video on YouTube, which is basically a girl is, is hazed by her, her colleagues and she picks up the phone and the client goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you need you need an anesthesiologist, right? Okay, oh, and you need them to be able to do brain surgery. Oh, and you also have a vet's on board, so you'd like them to be able to treat a cow. Uh, and the girl is going, yeah, yeah, we've got that, we've got that, we've got that. So just telling a client how realistic it is to to, to, to find someone. When it's going to be hard, tell them it's going to be hard. Uh, and I th- that's the first the first thing. Second thing is, is just to keep in touch with a client through the process. This is what I've done today. This is what I've worked on. This is how many people I've spoken to. And just talk the client through what you're doing day to day to help them find that person. Very often, uh, most recruiters keep what they do invisible to clients. What they think we do is we've got this big cupboard of people in the corner and we just sit there and we go and open the cupboard, pull someone out and send them over. Or actually, we, we the more we talk about what we do and how hard we work at doing it, the more a client will see that you're actually working hard for them. Uh, and and when we look at the getting you work in that process you have a short list working your way through that short list is surely a way we can develop extra business as well right yeah i mean once you're working through a short list you're developing relationships with candidates so the more senior you if you work with senior level candidates they may well be hiring managers themselves junior level candidates can give you insights on change that's going on with their own organizations whether they've got temps on site whether they've got people that have recently left they'll tell you the name of their boss you know so so sometimes just having one job to work uh i think what what bill borman spoke about how most the difference between google and and uh and sort of linkedin and recruiters is that they realize they're in the data business and recruiters think they're in the cv sending business and if you look at the amount of data that you're exposed to every day there's no shortage of insight on the market 
and who might recruit, what skill sets people recruit in, who could be recruiting in the in the upcoming uh, months. But we just don't see it like that. We just see it as who can we send across to a job today. So and I think if we jump into what that means to a junior recruiter on a desk, it, it means that when you're looking, when you're getting these applications and from these people, have a look at where they're working and you can be sure that a vacancy is going to come up in their business within the next few months if they're applying for this job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and, th- and this is probably my biggest tip to success for, for new recruiters is the whole industry has evolved to where we only want to speak to candidates when we've got a job for them. Where I was brought up with the phrase, it's sort of candidates are for life, not just for Christmas. Uh, and And so when someone's interested in a job today, even if they don't get the job you're talking to them about, they're still in the market and interested. So nurturing that relationship, keeping in touch with them, calling them to say, I don't have anything else, but I haven't forgotten about you. All of those things enable you to build big, deeper relationships with candidates and make it more likely that they are going to share market intelligence with you uh, as and when they get it. They may not share with you where they are actually at interview, but they'll probably almost definitely, or that's a bit qualified there, they will share with you where they have interviewed and been unsuccessful and that is as good a market knowledge as as where as as where they're interviewing today right okay um and we could actually go into a lot more depth on all of that and i'm sure you will on your own community and it'll be really valuable if anybody wants to join in so the next part of the question i have alex is alex you're you're not you've now got your big boy pants on You've built up the desk a little bit. You've kind of divided your clients into A, Bs and Cs. The boss is saying, hey, you've got too much. You're not, you're not, you know, we need to grow and you need, we need to hire somebody under you. What, what does that process look like for a new manager bringing a newbie into a, t- into a desk? And how can you set that new person up from success? while maintaining your own success because it's isn't it an area where that biller can sometimes struggle it, it I've, I've heard often and often that it's gone wrong do you have a formalized way of advising people on that yeah absolutely uh i think the that there's a number of things things to it is that the, the firstly if you've if you've got one person reporting to you they are going to learn most from watching you do the job uh, and what I mean by that is that if someone's watching you do the job, you you get back to basics. You work like you were told to work when you started. You take a job spec the way you were taught to take a job spec. Uh, what often managers become successful, but also as they become successful as a biller, they've got shortcuts. They cut corners that aren't quite what they were taught, but they're good enough to get get around from it. The problem is, is that the new recruits pick up those habits and they look at their manager and go, hey, well, he does that. Well, why would I need to do that? And so sometimes the hardest thing for a top biller becoming a manager is actually having to start doing the job like they know it should be done, but they sort of get away with not doing it. That was my for example, for example, planning, uh, for example, having a target list, for example, doing some new business development every week. You might not do the same amount because you've already got existing business, but if you don't even have a lead list, how can you get someone else to have a lead list? Mm. So that's the first thing. Second thing is that put them in a space where they're going to be successful. What I see time and again is the manager will sit there and keep all the warm clients and keep all the warm territory. And what they'll do is they'll send send their rookie out to like Aberystwyth and go, go on then, find some jobs. 
or here's a Latvian-speaking.net developer in Aberdeen with two days a week in Truro. If you find someone, I'll share the fee with you. Uh, and and like if it's if it, don't get them to do anything that you wouldn't do. So for instance, if you wouldn't work the job that you're giving them to work, don't give it to them because they're not as good as you. Give them give them something to source for where there's a good chance that they're going to get success because it's not about uh, it's not about them making a fee. It's about their belief that they're going to be successful in recruitment. And every day that goes by uh, that they don't find a candidate or get an interview or make a placement, those lights go down. Over the years, I've trained thousands of rookies. And what I see is the day one, they come in and their eyes are shining bright, which is, I'm going to be amazing. I believe I'm going to be successful in recruitment. And every day that goes past, they don't make a placement. Those lights dim. And, and eventually what happens is they don't have light shining out. They've got black holes shining inwards, you know, and so your job is to help them be successful in whatever way they can. Uh, there's, an, there's an argument and there'll be old school leaders out there that go, well, in my day I was given the yellow pages and I had to scrub my teeth with stones from the road and I didn't, no one helped me. And that's fine. Uh, and and, and but if, if you want to grow and you want to be scalable and you want to grow quickly, it's it's harder today to get started than it was back in 20 years ago. The market's more saturated. There's more competition. There's different opportunities open to clients. Give them an opportunity to be successful. Uh, and, and, and as that belief grows, you then filter in some of the more difficult parts of the job around business development, standing on their own two feet, et cetera, et cetera. Fantastic. Box office. I love it. <laughs> Good man. Yeah. That is it for today. Brilliant. Knock it out of the power. Thanks again, and we will see you again soon. No worries, Nalta. Thanks a lot, and I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, oh, we'll uh, catch up soon. What's this community called? It's called recruitingjim.com. Gym.com. Recruiting so it's launching on the uh, on the t- on the twelfth uh, of January. Are we going to so. have a Facebook community as well? Or? Uh, no, the, the idea is the community exists on the website, so right. it's uh, it's a private imagine it as a private facebook group where we have uh topics i share best practice tips i've got loads of handouts uh and people can ask questions of me and the other coaches in the gym to get answers to the problems that they've got running their business so. fantastic brilliant thanks for coming on alex no worries. see you soon take care take care now see you soon bye